Hey, hello, peeps. Those of you who have been listening since we started in September 2023 with Good Omens will notice a marked difference in the quality of our recording for Buffy Season 1. This is because Season 1 was our practice podcast. Neither of us had done a podcast before. It took us pretty much the whole season to figure out what we were doing, and that included having the proper settings on the microphone, Tori. Mo tried their best to correct what they could during the editing process, but there was only so much that could be done. One more thing... We changed the name of the podcast after we recorded Buffy Season 1. After the introduction, you will hear us refer to the podcast as Shallow Dive instead of Wallowing in the Shallows. We hope it doesn't cause too much confusion. And now... Welcome to Wallowing in the Shallows, the podcast that skirts the perilous drop-off of a deep dive into television and movies. We are academic nerds aspiring to become TV and movie geeks. There are no spoiler guards in the shallows, so listen at your own risk. This week, join us for a wallow in a Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1 rewatch. Hello and welcome everyone. This is Rebecca. And this is Tori. And today we are taking our shallow dive into episode four of season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Teacher's Pet. Right on. Yes. So here is my quippy little summary. Xander fantasizes about Buffy. Buffy gets encouragement from kindly biology teacher Dr. Gregory, who falls prey to a gigantic insect. Cordelia finds a headless Dr. Gregory in the high school cafeteria. Angel warns Buffy of a vampire with a fork hand. Miss French fills in for Dr. Gregory and invites a couple of the boys in the class to help her make praying mantis eggs for the science fair. Xander scores an invitation to French's house, and he is drugged with a martini. French turns out to be a gigantic praying mantis who breeds with virgin men, then kills them. Giles reaches out to an old chum in a mental facility who has encountered such type of creature before. Buffy, Giles, and Willow make it in time to save Xander and another boy and destroy French in mantis form. Unfortunately, some eggs still remain in the hidden in the science room. Dun dun dun. <laughs> dun, dun. So yeah. that's my summary. Nicely done. Thank nice. you. I should probably write out my summaries instead of just trying to do it off the cuff. <laughs> so so you could tell. You could tell how huh? I had I had prepared the summary. <laughs> well, it flowed pretty well without any ums and oh, what was next? <laughs> <laughs> You're exactly right. I did write it out. <laughs> well, that is probably a good thing. And like I said, I should do that. <laughs> so do we want to start with some general impressions of the episode? Sure. I know. Sure. I can, I can begin because I know you had kind of, uh, I, I got the sense from last episode that you didn't like this episode very much. And I did think it was a bit over the top, but I, I found some lovely nuggets in it and continue to just get to know the gang a little better. Uh And so I think I may have had more positive feelings about it than you did. Yeah, it sounds like it. I just, even like the first time I saw it, I something about this episode I don't care for. And I think, I've been thinking about it and trying to figure out why I dislike it so much. 
I mean, because of like all of the Buffy episodes, I think I can safely say this is my least favorite. Interesting. And I think it might be because of the character of Miss French. Mm-hmm. Not the actress that plays her, but I think it's always bugged me that here you have this powerful female character who relies kind of solely on sex appeal mm-hmm. and the emasculation of men or the destruction of men for her power. And so I think that is what bugs me about this. Like that's the only way women can be powerful. Or maybe that since you know the series is about the empowerment of women that they were scouring mythology and so forth for any instances uh. of it and they landed on praying mantis females bite the heads off of males after they mate. Let's mm-hmm. put that in there. I don't know. It just seems like the path of least resistance in the exploration of female empowerment. Well, girl, I must admit you went way deeper in this <laughs> than I did. I took it much more for face value, but I very much appreciate what you were saying. I kind of uh, got out of the shallow end. You did. You jumped right out of the shallow end and and headed for the high diving board in the deep end. <laughs> But we love it. We accept it here. Yeah. We accept all takes here in the shallow end. I was just really trying to figure out. I mean, I watched the episode three times this week, which is more wow. than I've watched it since I first saw it and over the intervening years. And I was really trying to figure out what is it that really bugs me. Now, can I say with 100% positivity or certainty that that's what bugged me about it way back in the day? No. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think I was that intellectually advanced or aware <laughs> I don't know if I was <laughs> but anyway I'm not, not going to rule it out now. okay well whatever our uh whatever our dispositions are toward it here we go uh journey or journeying our way through this episode yes so loved Dr. Gregory yes. sad his tenure was so short-lived did you notice that this was the same teacher of the biology chemistry class last episode. I did, but it didn't look like they were having a combo chemistry bio class this time. It was all biology. Totally agreed. So I do really think the reason they combined them was just to make it so that they could make the potion last week. And now we're back to straight biology and loved Dr. Gregory's pep talk to Buffy. It really seemed like he got through to her. And I was kind of hoping we were going to see more of this character. But not three seconds later, (laughs) (laughs) he is attacked by what I guessed at first to be a giant ant, but was not. I didn't know. And I didn't. Well, I mean, I knew, of course, this time when I watched it. But the first time I didn't know what kind of bug it was. Yes. And I don't know, are, is a praying mantis an insect? Which I mean, I know then it is a bug, but if it's if it's a bug, it doesn't necessarily have to be an insect. I don't know. It's neither here nor there. Anyways, I am not sure. I am not sure. I am I am not sure and I am not going to weigh in on that. <laughs> so the ta- so the safer term would be bug, right? The safer term would be bug, yes. Okay. Let's stick with bug. Let's stick with bug. But what I didn't 
Well, I had a couple thoughts at this scene. Number one, you know, when he's talking to Buffy after class, he walks over to that closet. He's fiddling around with his glasses and he closes the door and then finishes his conversation with Buffy. He sits, turns off the lights, goes to his microscope, whatever the heck he's looking up underneath there. And the, you can see the door, closet door open again. And I remember thinking, how did he not see the giant bug in his closet when he was there? when he opened the door and fiddled with his glasses. It's not like that was a tiny thing. Excellent question. And I believe we have definitive proof by the end of the episode that Dr. Gregory is in fact a virgin. Oh my gosh. I did not put that together. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now that's just sad. He's a cute little old guy. I know. I really felt like Dr. Gregory would not have a hard time getting some action. But the fact that the mantis bred with him and chopped off his head, which maybe she just chopped off his head. But no, we see there are eggs in that closet. closet. Yeah. Wow. What was he so... like? The 60 year old virgin? Yes. Yes. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Yo, answer this question. Are you a virgin? Are you a virgin? Yeah, yeah, not, not since I was 10. It all makes sense. You're a virgin. I am. Shut up. How does that happen? He's a fucking virgin. Oh, knew it. That makes so much sense, man. Yes, gosh, maybe he even knew she was in the closet and was kind of into it. <laughs> I... I'm at a loss for words right at the moment. <laughs> that that's fair. That's fair. We'll we'll we can move on. We can move on. The other thing I thought of was imagine that giant praying mantis being the last thing you see before oh you die. Oh my goodness! Not a good final image. No. Have you ever heard that? I can't remember what movie it was in. That the the last image you see before you die sort of gets burned onto your cornea or something i know yes. this but it was in some movie that yes. would be interesting if <laughs> that were the case with the giant mantis yeah what is that isn't that where the killer is like taking people's eyes because he's trying to capture that last could image? that could it be manhunter the early uh clarice and silence of the lambs the first in that series hmm i don't know I'd have to do some research, but I've seen it too. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Okay. Well, yes, maybe we should look into that for next time. Get back, get back. You know, we hate to leave the listeners hanging on such an important reference that we have <laughs> dug up here live during yes. recording. Yes. We should make a note. Well, we'll make a note when we re-listen to this. Perfect. Perfect. Because we're professionals that way. That's correct. <laughs> Anything else about that scene? No, but I, I just can't get over that Dr. Gregory had to have been a virgin. I know. I know. I know. I didn't, I didn't put it together until I saw the eggs in the closet. <laughs> then I was like, she bred with him. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And they make it so clear, right? In that scene, that end scene in the basement, when Mila's like, yeah, I'm you know, it's not fair that you two are doing the right thing uh -huh. by waiting. <laughs> and we have the big reveal that the a-hole Blaine is just talking a big game. Yeah, not uh, his butt. Speaking of Blaine, girls really got to have something to go out with me. 
And Xander says something like lobotomy. Love <laughs> that line. I have it written down in my notes as well. Xander's best line. Although he has another, he has he has some other good ones, but I really love that line because Blaine was just driving me nuts. And yeah. I was so glad that it turned out that was all hot air. Yeah. And of course, you know, any guy that's boasting like that. Yes. My immediate thought is, dude, you are blowing smoke. Compensating. Yep. For sure. I think that when somebody's talking about it that much, they ain't getting it. Clearly, this is the case for Blaine. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And French really seems to have a sixth sense about it. She knew exactly which guys in that class to prey upon, literally. Which makes me wonder, are the pheromones of virgins different than the pheromones of people who have had sex? I think that has to be part of the lore here in this in this episode anyway. Doesn't make me wonder if it's true, though. Well, that is another thing that could perhaps be researched. Yeah, it's not like I have a university research library at my disposal that I could look something like that up. Uh, no, not at all. Not at all. That's uh, tough. Tough to find. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Do you want to say anything about the Angel Buffy interaction or anything else about Blaine? Well, I just, I actually mostly appreciate Xander's response when Angel and Buffy are interacting in the bronze. Loved that. He's just so jealous and yes. subtle about it. <laughs> oh, so subtle. She didn't mention he was buff. She didn't mention he was hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's an attractive man. <laughs> but yes, Xander, yes, he is. Yes, yeah. yes, he is. And I think by the end of this episode, Buffy is thinking so as well. For sure. I love when, you know, he gives her his jacket and walks away and he gives her that look when he's walking away. And mm -hmm. she's just like, oh, no. <laughs> or exactly. something to that effect. And I'm like, yeah, I have said that before upon meeting certain men. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hopefully i would hope to think everybody would have that experience at least once in their life where you just know i'm in trouble i'm in trouble <laughs> i'm gonna fall and it's gonna be hard Woo! yeah yep for sure and i do wonder in a total non sequitur why angel has to be so cryptic you know he's always cryptic can't you just tell her right out Always. I wrote the same note down. I was like, come on, Angel. Why are you making her waste all of this brain power trying to figure stuff out on her own? Yes. But yes. perhaps that's just part of the heroine's journey. Seems as if. Could be, could be. I did look up, as I mentioned to you off the podcast, that I was thinking about Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. Yes. And so I was doing a little bit more research on it. Do you know who Joseph Campbell is? No. Well, he was, he was a professor in literature. And in 1949, so if this gives you an idea of why some of his ideas are very patriarchal in nature, mm -hmm. he came up with this monomyth of the hero's journey because he said it was a pattern that he saw repeated in stories of heroes all across the globe. And that there's three basic stages that all heroes go through, the departure, 
the initiation and the return and mm. each of those stages has like multiple parts to it so like for instance in the departure the hero gets a call to adventure and the hero then refuses the call mm. the hero gets some supernatural aid and then they cross the threshold which is kind of them accepting the call and that puts them metaphorically in the belly of the whale and so that's all a part of that departure stage and so forth but in what was interesting to me is that the oh so reliable wikipedia <laughs> so i took a real deep dive in this research again because it's not like i have a an entire university research library at my <laughs> fingertips <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, Campbell's approach to this monomyth has received a lot of criticism, right? Because it is patriarchal. And I mean, he was even quoted as saying, because people were like, oh, you know, it's all about the men. What about the women? And his response is, women don't need to take the journey. They are oh. the place that everyone is trying to get to. Oh, my gosh. That sounds so much like Homer, the Odyssey. Yeah. All returning. Of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But so his one of his students, her name was Maureen Murdoch in 1990, came up with a heroine's journey. Uh, it's very Jungian, I guess, in nature. <laughs> and then somebody else, and I don't know who this is, and I didn't get a chance to look her up. Her name is Victoria Lynn Schmidt. She then kind of riffed off of Murdoch and came up with her own heroine's journey. And what I found really interesting is that an example of the heroine's journey, Buffy, the vampire slayer, was listed. Wow. So I thought that was quite interesting. I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. Wow. This, you hit on a whole rabbit warren, I feel. <laughs> yeah. It's a kind of interesting thing. And at first, when I was looking at Schmidt's, you know, like the first kind of stage is called illusion of the perfect world and it says the heroine believes the world she lives in is perfect and i was like like buffy doesn't think the world is perfect mm -mm. um but the next sentence is she has deluded herself into thinking everything will turn out fine mm. and so then that made me stop and think right and she goes on to say that the heroine may acknowledge that the world is not ideal but has some kind of coping mechanism mechanism to deal with this fact and these mechanisms may be naivety denial or subservience mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so that made me stop a little bit and i was like well yeah i can see that in in buffy for sure there's definitely some denial in that early episode for sure for sure but anyways i don't want to get us too far off the the episode but Again, because I was having a hard time thinking of what I wanted to say about this episode. This is wow. Well, that that is very interesting. My next connection is not nearly so deep and philosophical. <laughs> would you like to hear it? I would like to hear it. <laughs> so Natalie French, our resident praying mantis, is played by, and I may not have this pronounced correctly, Musetta Vander. Hmm. And listen to this, Tori. Musetta Vander is in Mortal Kombat, The Annihilation, the <laughs> 1997 follow-up movie to the Mortal Kombat that I referred to in an earlier episode. Wow. And lucky you, Tori, I failed to mention this, 
but I have the two CD set with both <laughs> Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation. So if we want to see Musetta Vander in a different context, I've got I've got the I've got the goods. I wonder if that's her real name or if that's her stage name. If it's her real I, name, it really makes me wonder about her parents, right? Because were they musicians? It's that I mean, it's obviously kind of a lyrical name. It is, and I think she. Oh, I'm not going to remember. She's not an American. Uh, she's. I. I felt like Dutch was in there somewhere, but I'm not. I'm not positive about that. Uh, but she is not an American, so it's possible that her name is real and is more common in her country of origin, or it could be made up. Perhaps, perhaps. But it's and a she, cool name. It is a cool name. And speaking of French. I knew right away she was a praying mantis. I, t I, I wrote a note to myself. This teacher is really laying the praying mantis stuff on thick. I think she is one. <laughs> <laughs> and then my very next note after she talks a little bit longer. Oh, yeah. She is a praying mantis. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how quickly you know you knew in your first time through. Obviously, you knew this time. But I think it was... It was telescoped quite quickly. Oh, yeah. They're not subtle about it at all. No. No, they're not. Not at all. I don't really have anything to say to that. Other, I mean, okay. other than, yeah, they didn't, they did, they did telescope it quite clearly. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm like, uh, I'm just going to change the subject. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was done. But when she talks about, you know, I think, I don't think these are the exact words Buffy uses, but she calls them something akin to butt ugly but i don't think she says that because I've she says that something like it might, she might have even said bug ugly maybe have to check that but anyways you know natalie french is like that's the way nature designed them she takes real offense oh she does take offense but i was just i cringed at those words oh nature designed them yes mm -hmm. i'm like well, I didn't scream at the television. I have been. Have you heard of evolution? Have you Have you heard of evolution? Exactly. I'm like, woman, you're teaching biology. Why are you using that phrase? Nature designed. Ugh. I missed this completely, but now that you are drawing attention to it, I can totally see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It does make me want to make a little video clip of it to show in class, mm -hmm. and then put like a big red circle with a slash over it. Or if I was really good at making videos, I could like rip the scene in half or something like that. But that's <laughs> far beyond my technical capabilities. Oh, I bet if you put your mind to it, you could make it happen. But mm. is it worth your time? Yeah, no. Questions <laughs> to ponder. That is, well, I don't even have to ponder it. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. Decision, decision made. Decision made. It's not worth my time. So bodies found in enclosed spaces are just apparently a regular occurrence in this high school. Yeah. Although you wonder, why did she use a freezer? Well, she has this. Oh, why did the praying mantis do so? Yeah. I mean, it seems like a whole lot of effort. Why did, why did Darla stuff the guy in a locker? I don't understand either of these body, yeah. body hidings. It's just yeah. in order to have these these high school students find dead bodies <laughs> well 
Maybe somebody was like, hey, we need more screens in these episodes. So let's hide the bodies and have somebody find them. Well, they're coming through on that. Yes, for sure. And once again, Charisma Carpenter demonstrates how well she can scream. Right. What did we call it last week? We were going to be on reaction alert or something. And... Yes. Well, I think we were talking mostly about the underwhelming reactions. Yes. And this is not an example of underwhelming. This was very whelming. It was whelming for Cordelia, but everybody yes. else around. I mean, like you see Willow wince, but everybody else, nobody else screams. Well, come to think of it, you're exactly right. I think this is an example yeah. of another underwhelming reaction. Yeah. That only Cordelia reacts as appropriate. Wouldn't yeah. everybody be freaked out? Yeah. And why didn't the, the lunch ladies find him earlier? <laughs> While they were preparing the meal? Yeah. I mean, I've done prep in restaurants. And you're in and out of refrigeration things all the time. Even if you've got like six of them, you're in and out of them all the time. You know, whether it's teaching biology and chemistry at the same time or hiding a body in a refrigerator that should have been opened at least 15 times that day. Yeah. Sometimes they're taking their liberties. I know. I gotta, I keep reminding myself, it's just television, Tori. Don't <laughs> go too deeply into it. Stay shallow. Stay shallow. Stay shallow, girl. That's yes. going to be tough for us sometimes. Yeah. That's going to be very tough for us sometimes. Well, we quickly come upon another line of Xander's that I really liked. So there's something else out there besides Silverware Man? <laughs> because of the guy that has the fork hand yes. or whatever. Yes. So I really liked that. Uh, yes. I really liked that from Xander. Yeah. Was that... I'm trying to I'm trying to remember the sequence of scenes because I have another scene in my head, but I don't know if I have it out of order. So they have the scene where they all find Dr. Gregory. And yes. then are they in the library? I believe so. This is when they're sharing information about the fork guy. And and then and then Giles says Buffy, don't do something rash. And I and I wrote down Buffy is definitely going to do something rash. Yes. Yes. I have one of my comments out of order with another comment because the scene with Principal Flutie is before the scene where she goes and does her rash thing, correct? Uh actually I'm not totally positive because I have I ha no, I think I think she, no, no, no. Day? You've got it. You've got it in the correct order because we have Fork Guy and we see he's afraid of French. And then we have the scene with Principal Flutie. Okay. So, okay. The scene where she's out in the park or yes. wherever the heck she is. The homeless guy that comes up. Shouldn't you be? She shouldn't be out here in the park, little lady. Yes. And I was like, wow, did that dude grow up watching a lot of John Wayne or what? Yes. Yes, the little lady little comment lady. was well, even yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. even his draw was a little John Wayne-ish. <laughs> I wonder if he was like, "Hey, to the director, who was the director this time? I didn't write it down." Um, maybe he went up to the director. He's like, "Do you mind if I do my line, my one line in the entire show this way, like John Wayne?" <laughs> I was just like, "Whoa!" The guy said, "Sure, With John Wayne." -y. Yes, it's. I didn't write it down, but I, I can absolutely remember the line, and it did strike me. Yeah. Do you have anything else about the encounter outside and, and seeing the fort guy afraid of French? 
I didn't, other than the fact that it did that particular scene coincides with one of Schmidt's stages of the heroine's journey. Oh, please share. <laughs> Where it um, talks about like the betrayal, maybe delusion, where a crisis befalls the heroine in which all the stuff she does fails her. Mm. And so I was thinking maybe, you know, that kind of falls into that a little bit. Again, I was really searching for things to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I like being exposed to this this structure that you and the fact that they specifically mention Buffy. I've forgotten the woman's name who came up with this, but uh, the fact that they mention Buffy the Vampire Slayer is very interesting. Yes, I thought that was pretty funny too. I'm like, oh, what are the examples? Oh, Buffy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it will be a good thing to continue to watch for. For sure. For sure. I mean, because the the whole series is an example of the hero's journey or the heroine's journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, heroine for sure. Yeah. So anyways. So moving on, I loved this little interjection from Flutie. He's well-intentioned here. I know it doesn't seem like like Buffy is experiencing any, any trauma after seeing the body, but I loved how Flutie said, We all need help with our feelings. Otherwise, we bottle them up. And before you know it, powerful laxatives are involved. <laughs> I, I have to admit, that is probably one of the best parts of this whole episode, is that exchange. And I love when Buffy's arguing with him and he's like, Heal! <laughs> loved it loved it yes yes and and then when buffy's sitting there cordelia's in there talking to the oh. therapist and she's just going on and on and they cut out to buffy the look on her face as she's listening to cordelia is priceless <laughs> i had forgotten about that i didn't write anything out about that exchange but i definitely remember it and was like <laughs> oh my gosh i mean for cordelia for cordelia the universe revolves around cordelia oh yes narcissism my name is cordelia oh well said <laughs> my next note let me feel free to step back if you have something before this okay. but that serious exorcist neck action oh yeah was very interesting and it was funny because of course it immediately reminded me of the exorcist as well and then that's exactly how buffy describes it right i must say though why would french give herself away like that yeah i wondered that as well clearly she was at the point where she really didn't care and maybe thought that nobody could say boo but Maybe. she was lucky somebody else in the class didn't see it. That yeah. Buffy was the only one to see her turn her head 180 degrees. Yeah. Well, now I want to go back and I'm like, was Xander? Xander wasn't even sitting in the back row. Because I was just going to say I want to go back and check. But the scene kind of flashed in my head. I don't think he was sitting in the back row. So any of those students sitting behind him could have seen her. Could have seen this very obvious non-human thing. Yes. And I think Principal Flutie would not have been too happy to see Miss French inappropriately touching Xander on the shoulder. Oh, my gosh. And that only gets worse. Yeah. 
a martini. Oh my gosh. I I shame on you, Mrs. Miss French. That sure. is just yeah. incredibly Yeah. I, and even so even before the martini, let's talk about this little interaction between French and Xander in the I don't know where it is. Is it her classroom where she's having lunch? I think and, it is. Yeah. First of all, we find out Xander's middle name. <laughs> Lavelle. Lavelle. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I have the exact line. This teacher is highly inappropriate. One thing I found incredibly amusing is when Xander sort of realizes he's being hit on and there's the guitar solo cutaway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I did love cute. that. I did I did love that. And then and then Xander leaves and just a delicious cricket and mayo sandwich that Miss French is dining on. And I absolutely love. Did you notice that the container that had the the crickets in it that she put on the sandwich had the word was labeled food? Yes. <laughs> it was like okay. I don't know if that was because that was in the biology room and like those crickets got fed to other insects or I don't know. I, I don't know why it was labeled food, but I found it incredibly funny. Yeah, that's it was it's weird. I did, too. I was like, OK, because you're not going to remember that's your food. Right. Right. I, I really felt like it was somehow already in the science room. Mm. not something she brought from home but she was like oh i'm not gonna give this to the lizard i'm gonna eat this myself <laughs> yeah I, I i think it would have been better for me i mean because a lot of people still eat crickets today not so usually they, live though right well not usually live that is true and on mayo <laughs> <laughs> and white bread <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wonder if it was Wonder Bread. Sure looked like it. The bread I grew up on. <laughs> Nothing makes as good a dough balls as Wonder Bread. Good old dough balls. <laughs> I love those. I used to do that all the time with my bread. I didn't make balls. I made cubes. <laughs> sort of, you know, squeezing it from side to side with my fingers. And so I turned them into cubes about the size of dice. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Weird even back then. <laughs> that makes me think of a Clone Wars episode where all the food is cube shaped. <laughs> oh my gosh. Interesting. Yeah. Not really, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't seen it, so can't um, comment more. Yeah. One of my other favorite moments happens to be with Giles when they're in yes. the library and Willow is getting on the on the net to yes. look for the coroner's report and Charles is like right wasn't here didn't see it couldn't have stopped you mm -hmm. ignorance is always the way to go I guess when you're gonna deny something <laughs> for sure yeah yeah I I think that moving on I think that Willow should have been sent on the preventing Xander from interacting with Miss French instead of Buffy, because clearly this got into a, a different level with Buffy than it would have with Willow. Agreed. But Buffy couldn't have done what Willow was doing on the computer. 
Very true. Very true. But I think both things could have happened in this lapse of time. Yeah. This chunk of time. And I'm but just, anyway, oh, go ahead. No, I was just wondering if how accurate of a portrayal, having never been a teenage boy myself, that was. I mean, Xander's really in his own little delusional world there with his fantasies about Miss French and his belief that Buffy cares so much about him that she's raging jealous. Mm-hmm. And that's why she's telling him he can't, shouldn't go there and stuff. Right. I'm not sure you will have a lot of insight as well, having never been a teenage boy. Having never been a teenage boy. Having only known teenage boys, I'm not (laughs) at all surprised by such delusions, but I can't speak from experience. Yeah. I mean, I have two older brothers, but they never talked to me much once they hit their teenage years. (laughs) (laughs) Except tell me to get out of the room. Right. Oh naughty naughty miss french i can't believe this entire scene at her place yeah i didn't like he's not old enough for a martini clearly there's something else in a martini in the martini than what should have been in the martini but i really thought a very funny part of the scene was when xander was really getting loopy and French started turning into the mantis, and Xander says, Your hands are really serrated. (laughs) I I love that. Gone green. (laughs) Oh, but he was clearly, he was clearly out at this time, but it was, it was a great line. Yes, it was a good line. But uh, go ahead with go ahead. I think mine jumps a little bit too far. Well, I was going to jump to Giles and Buffy and Willow going up to the real Natalie French's door. Perfect. Please do, because I have nothing for this. Ah, well, number one, I know I've seen the old woman in something before. I just couldn't figure out what. Mm. And it bugged me and I meant to look her up and didn't. But I think uh, I'm going to have to put that on the list of things to check into. Okay. Because for some reason, I'm thinking she plays like a quite different character where she like comes out with like some kind of gun or something. Maybe mm. I'm mixing her up with some one of the older people in Hot Fuzz. Huh. Did you see that movie, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost? It sounds familiar, but I can recall nothing about it. That's our, Well, it's just at the end. Spoiler alert, if you want to watch that movie and have never seen it, I can shut up now. <laughs> but I, I, yeah. And the listener, if you were the same thing, you might want to lower your volume for a second. But at the end of that movie, like this, all the older people, a lot of the older people in this village all come out with guns and they're like trying to kill Simon Pegg's character. And I want to say... I think of her in that scene. Wow. Or a scene similar to that. But anyways, but I did like as they were walking away and and Willow says something about, you know, what do we do now? And child Giles is like abject prayer and supplication spring to mind. Very Giles. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I for, I think he forgets he's actually talking to children. 
<laughs> all the time. <laughs> oh, well, where were you going to go next? I was going to jump to when Blaine and Xander are in the cages. Okay. And Blaine seems to have a really quite good idea about what French is doing with men. He knows that the the whole process. And so I was curious if you think there was another victim of French down there that Blaine saw it happen to. Sounds like there had to have been. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he, that she li- she lays eggs on him and then she gyrates about it wasn't gyrate but something like that yeah and so it seemed he's like i don't want to go like that and so it really sounded like he'd seen the whole procedure with somebody else yeah but they don't of course mention that at all like who it Mm -mm. was not at all not at all so that was a question that was a question i had yeah i don't know yeah who that could have been yeah but i caught that too Okay. Okay. And loved. (laughs) This is jumping a little ahead. But Mm -hmm. when Buffy is like spraying her with what I can only guess is something like Raid. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And it made me think of that commercial that goes, Raid! Where the insects are all freaking out because the the owner is coming at them with the, the spray. So that that really made me chuckle. And it made me think she really needed the guy's claw because the advice from Giles' friend in the mental institution was to rip her to shreds. And so I thought after she killed the claw guy, uh-huh. she was going to take his claw and, or yeah, take his claw and eviscerate her like that. But it seemed she'd brought a machete or something to do the job. Yeah. She usually has a machete with her a lot of times throughout the seasons. Handy. Handy. Yeah. I was just, I'm sorry. I got distracted. I apologize. No problem. No problem. I heard what you said, but I was also looking up that woman. Yes. Oh, I'm glad you were. Tell us more. On IMDb. She was not in (laughs) Hot Fuzz, but I do recognize her. She was in Apollo 13. Oh. And she played uh Jim Lovell's mother, but that's Ron Howard's mom. No way. Yeah. Wow. I I was like, what? Yep. Huh. Well, Very good find. Yes. Very good find. We'll, we'll get back to important stuff here because, you know, everything yeah. about this episode is so important. <laughs> but well, loved. Fine. Loved the reveal of Blaine also being a virgin. It was yes. all made up. And once again, another line for Xander. Well, isn't this a perfect ending to a wonderful day when he <laughs> finds out that Blaine is all bluster? Yeah. And Blaine threatening litigation. Yeah, of course. Yes. Rich, rich boy with yeah. his lawyer daddy. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, gosh. So, again, I mourn the loss of Dr. Gregory. Gone too soon. Just when I started. I mean, it was like Eric Balfour. You know, just as soon Mm -hmm. as I was kind of bought in to him Mm -hmm. being in the series. Gone. And 
decapitated. So how very Game of Thrones in this case, but yes, uh, yes. not not usually. Some, but there's but, a very famous actor now who's like really a hot Hollywood property who has a who's in one of the future episodes, but only for the one episode. You know? Oh wow! Just when you're like, oh, that would be a cool character to have. Oh no. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Just the briefest. Suddenly here, then gone. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of suddenly here, then gone, other than finding the eggs in the closet, I have nothing else to say about this episode. <laughs> I don't either, but it's like, really? I mean, you'd think that if they're, well, it's a testament to how bad the Sunnydale police force must be, right? Because <laughs> here they have a missing man. They go, I'm sure they would have had to search his office, and yet they don't see the egg sacks hanging in the closet. And they leave his glasses on the table? Yes. That seems like some key evidence. Yeah. And why didn't they pick up the glasses? Of fruit? I mean, you know, Buffy comes in and finds them on the floor. And mm -hmm. I was like, man, that's some pretty crappy police work. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Oh, here's these broken glasses on the floor mm -hmm. that are probably the victims. Let's just leave them there. Sure. Sure. It means nothing. Yeah. So I just will be waiting with bated breath to see if in a future episode the offspring come to <laughs> avenge their mother. So I'll just be just be keeping the home fires burning, waiting for that. <laughs> Hope you got a lot of wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I've got a good supply. I've got a good supply. Right on. All right. So okay. Next episode, we get one of the most iconic quotes from the entire Ooh. series oh my gosh i'll okay this is a little mission for me to see if i can recognize what it is yeah for sure okay i'll look forward to it all right i guess then okay we're done all right later everybody bye shallows is created and produced by the both of us edited by mo the soundtrack for the wallowing in the shallows buffy the vampire slayer season one rewatch is apache rock instrumental by sound atelier available on gmendo.com you can send us feedback at witstvpod at gmail.com that's w-i-t-s-t-v-p-o-d at gmail.com and then subscribe subscribe hit that subscribe button like and subscribe <laughs>